Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. All right, welcome into the show for another episode. Uh, Really quick off the bat, if you discovered the Patriots Wire podcast, maybe in an article, one of Henry's articles on Patriots Wire, you can get this podcast right on your phone, right on the podcast app, wherever you get your podcast. You can subscribe, tell a friend, review it. We know there's tons of places to get your Patriots content. We really appreciate all our listeners. You know, right off the bat, I just wanted to start the program with opening takes off of the week one loss to the Dolphins. And as a fan, I was a little frustrated, right? I think you feel two ways. You feel good about Mac Jones. He looks like he he can do it. But at the same time, I was frustrated with the way they came out and just really kept the training wheels on him. I tweeted about this in the first half. I'm like, well, we just take the training wheels off the kid. I understood that they were going to come out and run the ball. And Damian Harris popped that 35-yard gain to start it, Henry. But 12 runs out of the first 17 plays. And I just hated that approach. I Yes, get his feet wet, get him comfortable in that first series. We saw his first drop back was not pretty, right? The strip sack and we threw it at the feet of Johnny Smith behind the line scrimmage. You know, that wasn't pretty. But yeah, get his feet wet, get him comfortable, and then let's go. Let's throw the football. Because I think when they started opening it up in the second half, it looked better. You know, I don't know if I'm being an irrational fan, Henry, but coming out, I just thought they kept the trading wheels on too long. Like, let's go. Let's let the kid play because he didn't show me in the preseason any signs that he wouldn't be able to handle it. I'm, I'm with you there. I thought that they overthought the game plan to a degree. It was like maybe they had to change their mind a little bit with like letting Mac Jones cook, but yeah. <laughs> let let Mac cook. <laughs> like uh, that. That's good. That's a good one. We got to trademark that thing. So, but he, but with him messing up that first drop back where he dropped back and he looked totally out of sorts, and there was pressure coming, and it looked like it was supposed to be maybe a tight end screen, but. Nothing developed the way it should, and Mac dumped off the ball backwards at the feet of Jonathan Smith. Not great. Fumble. Basically, they were lucky that wasn't a touchdown. <laughs> Maybe after seeing that, they lost a little confidence in Mac Jones. But I think what's most likely is they had plans on running the ball heavily in the first half to try and get Jones comfortable in an NFL environment. And as he took more snaps and the jitters faded, they they would then let him show the reasons why they picked him as QB1. Thing, thing is, Mac Jones has showed an accelerated timeline of development at every stage of his career. And we saw it even last, or not last night, but on Sunday night, where, you know, there was that throw to Jacoby Myers over the middle, a skinny post out of the slot. Jones probably should have arm, put a little more arm behind it, fired it in there, and then Jason McCourty would have got the pass break up. And uh, instead, you know, Jones was a little tentative. He didn't fire it in, and McCourty was able to make the, the, the breakup. We saw later in the game, Jones put a little arm into it, and he was able to complete a very similar pass. I forget who, who to. Um, Might have been Aguilar. Um, yeah, I, I think so. He had a really it. he had a really good one, the Aguilar over the middle. That made you be like, right. you know, he put some he did he put some pepper on it. The Patriots ended up losing this game because they showed a lack of aggressiveness on offense. And what Matt Jones showed over the course of the game was that he was fine. Now, 
So I think ultimately they got a little too in their own heads about setting Mac up for success, and ultimately they they kind of lost because of it. They they wanted to highlight their running game and win through the running game, and the running game actually made the rookie mistakes that they were afraid Mac Jones would make. It was sort of this surprising reversal of roles where Jones was actually controlling the ball and, and showing command and veteran leadership and the running backs who are supposedly like Damian Harris, who supposedly has excellent situational awareness. He fumbled the ball in the nine yard line to cost them the game. So there was a, a, a very unfortunate irony. Uh, and I think it probably could have been avoided with just having a little more faith in the quarterback that they picked to be QB one. Yeah, I think I like the way you put that there. They they just were not aggressive enough. And, and it evened out. They end up throwing it 39 times, and they ran it 30 times. So it just shows how much they went to the pass later on, Henry. It's like, just can you get there a little bit sooner? That's how I felt as a fan watching the game. I was a little frustrated that they didn't get to that piece of it uh, sooner. But I think the other side of this, you know, besides being frustrated with the game plan and being frustrated with a 17-16 loss to a Miami team at home that I think the Patriots should have beat, uh, no doubt about it. That, that's a tough loss because it's a division game, and I think the Patriots are better than the Dolphins. Like, they should have won the game. But I think the other side of it is the quarterback looks pretty good, right? I'm going to read some of your commentary on Patriots Wire, Henry, and I want you to kind of expand on it a little bit for us. During the Patriots 17-16 loss, Jones may not have had a pass that was Mahomesian. I like that. I don't know if you, you can't find that in the dictionary, right? Mahomesian, <laughs> Henry, I like that. You know, Urban there, dictionary. Yeah, exactly. There wasn't a scramble where Jones resembled Lamar Jackson, but the performance felt reminiscent of a young Brady. And if Harris hadn't fumbled, the game might have felt like the start of a new dynastic cycle, powered again by defense in the run game. That isn't to say the 2021 Patriots are headed to the Super Bowl. That isn't to say Jones will someday resemble the 2007 or 2021 versions of Brady. It's just to say that there were whiffs of optimism amid the stench of defeat. There's a plan. If given time, it should work. It almost worked as early as week one. What's your thinking there, Henry? Yeah, so as much as the Patriots oversaw that their first half game plan, that the second half game plan was sort of born out of necessity where they started to let Mac Jones throw the ball and not necessarily even pushing the ball downfield, um, not necessarily asking him to be aggressive, but simply letting him run the offense that is built for him, that, that they drafted him to run. It felt like, you know, the 2001 team where the defense was really good and didn't require much of the offense. And all the offense had to do was put up, you know, 20 points for a win. And this offense is absolutely capable of that, even with a rookie quarterback. So Mac Jones isn't remarkable from a physical standpoint. There's nothing that he does on the football field that most, like maybe 25 other starters can't do. But he is an impressive player, you know, from the shoulders up. And, you know, it sounds cliche to be talking about this, but it is it really is true. I mean, you, you hear by every account just how diligent of a worker he is. I almost wonder if he's working too hard and that he he might run into some burnout because of how big of a perfectionist and how intensely he is putting in the work. But that that's by all accounts similar to how Tom Brady got his start. And again, a player who is not physically imposing by any measurement, except that 
when he got on the field, he completed passes and he made sure the ball didn't end up in the other team's hands. So that's what the Patriots have this year is that 2001 version of Brady. And I'll reiterate that I have no idea what trajectory Mac Jones is on to becoming, whether he's the next Matthew Stafford or the next, I don't know. I mean, he's certainly never going to win seven Super Bowls. I think it's pretty safe to say that. But the fact that the Patriots have had this recipe bear fruit, as mixing two metaphors there, but they've had this, this work for them in the past where the quarterback's not, you know, incredible, but, you know, the defense compensates. That's a, a reason for optimism. And, and so maybe it didn't come together perfectly in the first game where they lost by one point because a running back who has not lost a fumble in 170 NFL touches lost a fumble. But you hope that in the coming weeks, the offense will rely more on Mac Jones. The uh, running backs will make fewer mistakes because Ramondre Stevenson also fumbled. Uh, there were four total fumbles from the Patriots. Yeah, Johnny Smith surprising. did the, uh, the fumble on the fu- on the front flip. He did that was pretty wild. Yeah, he yeah. So Johnny Smith didn't lose a fumble, but fumbled, and Mac Jones didn't lose a fumble, but fumbled. You just hope that you can mitigate those mistakes, and with a Bill Belichick coach team, usually you can. Now, like last year, it was a mess all year long. So I don't know, but. I think there's there's a clear path is what I'm saying. And and if you go back to last week's podcast where I laid out what the Patriots have to do to win a Super Bowl, this is actually, this week is almost exactly what I thought would happen that put them on a path to winning a Super Bowl, which is like kind of a crazy, almost hot take. But like, go back and listen to it. And I say exactly this, like Matt Jones is going to struggle. He's going to be limited. You know, they're going to try and work around him, but he's going to make his corrections to put himself in a better position to win the next week. And then they're going to start to rely on him more to the point where if by week 18, this defense is one of the top three, one of the top five, and Matt Jones has gotten better each week, all of a sudden this team is an actual playoff contender and, and maybe even a Super Bowl contender. So if this is the kind of loss they're going to suffer in week nine, I'm not going to be on this podcast telling you that it was that it was a moral victory. <laughs> but, right. And last year I was I was taking moral victories for the Patriots at this time of year, and they turned into total garbage. So I'm I'm trying to be self aware here, uh, but th- I think this is an okay loss because of where it leaves the team heading into week two, where a, a winnable game and a game where they can they've learned that they can trust Matt Jones with more. Yeah, I don't have any beef with that. I think I just I'm just impatient. I just feel like the kid has shown us something and I just want him to, you know, if they're going to really open it up and really give him the keys maybe in week 5, Henry, I just want to get there now. I can't wait. I just want to see it, but you know, you're right. It's a slow build. I should pump the brakes a little bit. And one thing with this plan, if it's going to work the way they structured it, you you did call it last week, and you usually do. You usually call things, Henry. Uh, you talked about how they, they're going to rely on Damian Harris. They need Damian Harris to be special. They also need their defense to be special. So let's talk about that side of the football here coming up. But first, Corey Bonini of the Huddle.com is going to give you his fantasy football plays of the week. We'll be right back. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week number two of the fantasy football season. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays to get your season rolling right along. Quarterback Joe Burrow at the Chicago Bears. 
Some people might be immediately turned off by the name, the Chicago Bears, with the association of a once strong, proud defense. Forget about that. Last week, Los Angeles Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford obliterated this defense and showed the blueprint of how to take advantage of the young cornerbacks who are actually a liability, especially against play-action passing. Take note, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor is a Sean McVay disciple, so you can be sure that he was watching how this one unfolded. Green Bay Packers running back A.J. Dillon versus the Detroit Lions. The Packers returned to Lambeau Field after getting smacked in the mouth by the New Orleans Saints in Jacksonville. While he saw only five touches in the blowout loss, Dillon generated 26 yards of offense. Detroit has been one of the worst defenses of running backs in some time. We saw that play out last week with San Francisco backups taking full advantage of the situation. Look for an angry Packers offense to get up big, which could mean a lot of Dillon running out the clock late in the game. Denver Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick at the Jacksonville Jaguars should be an interesting matchup for gamers to take a chance on. Wide receiver Jerry Judy has a high ankle sprain and he has been placed on short-term IR. Patrick caught all four of his targets last week for 39 yards and a touchdown. While I'm a little skeptical that he may have some competition for touches given the area of the field he tends to operate within, owners looking for a PPR flex, especially anyone who lost Judy, should give Patrick a look. Los Angeles Chargers tight end Jared Cook versus the Dallas Cowboys. While Cook is no Gronk, he still has a pretty good matchup ahead. Dallas made some changes at linebacker in the offseason, and sure, they've gotten faster, but it looks like they're still not completely on the same page. Additionally, Los Angeles has the weapons to spread out this defense, which could leave Cook with a lot of room to operate in the middle of the field. He also benefits if running back Austin Eckler once again isn't involved in the passing game. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please go check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Henry, if you told me the Patriots were going to give up 17 points in this game against Miami, I would have thought it would be an easy win, right? I, I just That was my mindset coming in. So the defense, they weren't horrible by any means. But I think the defense, like, and a lot of people have been writing and talking about this, it wasn't like a great day for the defense, right? They had a couple of tough drives, including that first one to start the second half. That was kind of a killer. Even after the Damian Harris fumble, there was plenty of time. The Patriots had timeouts. Uh, the defense couldn't get the ball back. So I thought it was kind of a sneaky bad day for the defense. Not a great day by any means. And you look at some of the snaps. I'm just, I was wondering what you thought about kind of the game plan that Belichick laid out there. A lot of Dante Hightower, right? He was out there for almost the entire time, 78% of the snaps. And for the, a lot of the highlights I saw in the replays, he just didn't look like he had the same speed. I, he's just laboring a little bit. Just Maybe he doesn't have his feet under him. You see a ton of snaps for a, a guy like Hightower, but really not a ton for a guy like Josh Uche, who we expected to see a lot of. Only 15 snaps. Henry Anderson, we talked about him throughout the preseason. He only played three snaps in this game. So it's clear Belichick has his guys that are out there almost all the time. And then he has other guys like... You know, on the outside, Uche, Winovich, Van Noy, those guys that are kind of rotating in based on situation, right? So I'm wondering if, you know, that's going to be the case throughout the year or what. I was hoping to see more of Josh Uche. I thought he made a couple plays in the limited time he was out there. What do you think about the defensive game plan and the defensive showing overall? So there were some obvious problems in the game plan, which uh, Miami enjoyed. The quick passing game, the RPO passing game, 
was successful for Miami. And when I say quick passing, I think Patriots fans will quickly like have flashbacks of when Tua would take a one-step drop out of shotgun and zip the ball to a slant route receiver on the outside. In these coverages where the Patriots were playing like single high safety, who was kind of like deeper off the ball and man coverage on the outside. So it's like this quick slant route where the receiver not only was had some separation, but then even bigger problem had room to run and develop some yards after the catch. Yeah. And um, actually got I, the best answer I've gotten out of Steve Belichick at a press conference in recent memory. <laughs> when I ended the line of questioning about that exact type of play, <laughs> I think I think Steve Belichick was haunted by that play. <laughs> well, the RPO wanted, thing just gives me PTSD anyway. Anytime you talk about yeah. RPOs against the Patriots, I just feel like we can't we can't stop that. It's frustrating. Yeah, the speed problems in the interior with Bentley yeah. and, and Hightower. Totally. But yeah, I think Steve Belichick wanted nothing more than to not think about that anymore, <laughs> or at least wanted nothing more than to like, keep admitting that it was a problem because he doesn't want the Jets to go out and do the same thing. So <laughs> they're going to have to figure out how to how to defend that because it was just such a simple like beater of the Patriots' defense. And as for Uche and like just the general linebacker rotation, this is the the sort of confusing thing that we saw with Chase Winovich last year. Absolutely, yep. Where, where the Patriots view these players as situational, and they have one strength that is their thing. In both of their cases, it's pass rushing, and they're not necessarily versatile enough to be every down back. So the Patriots view Bentley and Hightower as those guys, and Van Noy. Uh, he too can do a little outside inside, so they they figure those are that's how the, those duties will be split up. And in in the case of week one, the Dolphins just had eleven third downs, so that helps like illustrate why Uche would only get fifteen snaps if he's more of a a passing centric guy. Then you know you figure some of those third downs were not necessarily passing situations; they were third and you know five or less. But then you figure there are some second and longs, maybe because of penalties. So basically, Uche and Winovich, who got 12 snaps, got on the field only in passing situations. And the, and the Dolphins, they didn't end up passing all that much, um, in part because they don't want to a total Vailoa to pass very much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's not exactly, very good. Exactly. Um, so that's why those guys don't play. Now, whether that's the right decision is is tricky because I think Hightower is actually the better inside linebacker than Josh Uche, but you have to make the decision that the Patriots were struggling with last year where they started putting Winovich on the field as an inside linebacker, particularly like on early, uh, on earlier downs, but then he didn't look very good at it. So you, so you wonder, okay, well with Winovich, maybe that ship has sailed. All he is is a outside linebacker sub brusher slash defensive end. And that's really just like, you know, a job that gets them on the field between 13 and maybe 30 snaps a game if it's a, a like really passing-centric game, which this wasn't. This was like a, a clear, both teams were happy to run the ball and be efficient. So then you have to wonder, okay, can Uche on the field? Can he take more snaps at inside linebacker? And after seeing, you know, Hightower look sluggish, can they spend the next week trying to get him prepared to do more? And that's what we'll see in the coming weeks is like just how desperate do they feel their inside linebacker position is to the point where they want to try and teach 
Uche a, a job that he doesn't really do. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not crazy about the idea of moving Uche inside on early downs yet. But you're right. If if Hightower looks sluggish, you know, into games five, six, seven, then you do have to get creative. Whether that's you know adjusting your personnel's natural positions or looking for someone else out there. Because the truth is, inside linebacker is a position where many teams are deep. And I've been saying before training camp ended that they needed to get faster and deeper in the inside, that they should be looking to convert one of their quarterbacks. or their. There were just a number of positions where they were deep. They just needed to trade you know, talent for talent and try and find an inside linebacker. Because they had valuable positions where – like teams want a quarterback more than they want an inside linebacker. So you would think that you could take a depth option at quarterback and upgrade your inside linebacker position, and they didn't do that. So we'll see. I, I can't imagine them abandoning Dante Hightower swiftly, but you know if he continues to struggle to get the job done, maybe maybe they'll try some some different options. Yeah, you know, you just you just kind of you get this feeling that these guys like Uche Van Noy, like these guys can play inside outside. Like you get that. Aren't those the kind of guys Belichick usually targets? And then you see Hightower and Bentley out there just struggling in coverage. And it's like, man, you know, it's just like over and over. It's like, we, what are we going to do? And Josh Uche's out there for 15 snaps, and I thought he was kind of coming on in the preseason. So, yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. It's frustrating. But, you know, we move on. We get to play the Jets, Henry. So hopefully we can get the whole ship right because Zach Wilson, he was sacked six times by those Panthers last week and Sam Darnold torched him. So hopefully we get a more aggressive uh, passing attack and, and a better showing from the defense, right? So uh, let's dive into that matchup here coming up next. But first, our friends from the Sportsbook Wire are going to give us their play of the week. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast here with my colleague, as always, Jeff Clark, breaking down the Sunday night football matchup for week two between the Kansas City Chiefs and the host Baltimore Ravens. Ravens, plus 160, home underdogs, Chiefs minus 200, Baltimore plus three and a half on the spread. Jeff, is that interesting to you coming off their overtime loss against the Raiders? Yeah, this is a buy-low spot for the Ravens. It's getting through the key number of three. You got three in the hook. Lamar was terrible last week throwing the ball, but Cleveland was able to run the ball all over Casey's defense. I think Lamar and Baltimore does the same. I think he passes a little bit better against his weak Kansas City defense, and I think Baltimore's defense improves after their stinker against the Raiders and Derek Carr. I'll take the three and a half with the Ravens. How about you? Patrick Mahomes is 3-0 against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. 34-21 win in Baltimore last week. That's good enough for me. I'm siding with the Chiefs, minus 3.5. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Henry. Last week, the the Jets got smoked by the Panthers. I guess they didn't get smoked, but they lost to the Panthers in Carolina. That was actually a a sneaky good little survivor pick. I don't know how people out there play in their survivor pool. I took the Panthers. That was a good pick. Because uh, I'm, just, I'm just looking, I'm just not to t- pat myself on the back too much, Henry. You know, I hate to do that. You get the rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson. Uh, you get the new coach 
with the Jets. So I'm just wondering, like, what do you think about this team right off the bat? Do you think this is a uh, you know, situation where it's the same old Jets? Do you think they're on the come? Do you think they're going to struggle? Like, what's your, what's your leadoff thought on the Jets? I think they've got a lot of talent. And if Robert Sala, the new coach there, if he's any good, they'll be winning games by the end of the season. But I don't think that the organization is going to make a fast shift into, like, a winning culture. Zach Wilson is good, clearly. Like, he's, like, I, you know, I kind of pegged him as a potential bust in the draft. But he does have the physical talent that everybody said he would. He does have the diligence to stick with, you know, the work that needs to be done. And so that's a good combination for any football team to have in a quarterback. The talent that they added at receiver between Corey Davis and, um, you know, they've got a lot of young guys, whether it's Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, who admittedly he got benched, <laughs> basically. There's just, a, there's just a good group, I think, of like potential players at receiver that could elevate around Zach Wilson, whether, whether he's elevating them or they're elevating him. So I think the offense has potential. The, the, also, I mean, the problem, I think, a little bit is their, their running game um, between the offensive line and their running backs. A little inconsistent, and then you flip over to the defense, and you just have some, some holes basically at every level. So they're just not quite there yet in their rebuild. The fact that they have a quarterback and some skill players to support them is good. And I could see Sala doing a good job filling the holes that, that are there, uh, whether it's through scheme or development of players. But if the Patriots don't beat them this week, there's a huge problem in New England. Yeah. I do not think that a Jets win will be a product of like true Jets success. It will be a, a product of New England's failure. 100%. So this is... This is not a game where the Patriots can go in and like accept a moral victory, but an, a literal loss. This is one where the Patriots, honestly, if I, the Patriots need to like go in and win by fourteen to prove to themselves that they're playoff contenders, and not like a developing team in similar ways as the Jets, just a little more talented. Yeah, and I, and I think the spread. Looking at the uh, Typico Sportsbook app, the uh, the spread opened up, I think, in the three and a half, four point range. It's up to five and a half for the Patriots on the road, and uh, I'm just I'm taking the Patriots in this game up to a touchdown, I think, and, and possibly more. I agree with you. I think this is a, a, a this is a game that Patriots. Well, first of all, they have to win. You just lost one division game. You shouldn't start off the season with two divisional losses. I know we get an extra game this year, Henry, but that's not a good way to go. Go 0-2 against two teams you probably should beat on your schedule. So, no, they have to win this game. I think they will. And I just hope they open it up a little more. I'm definitely firmly on the Patriots' side of a a 5.5-point spread. I'm looking at the total, though. Another low total, 42.5. So that just tells me that people are probably questioning the game plan, right? That's exactly what we've been talking about today. The total is 42 and a half because the Patriots are so conservative right now that why should we expect that they're going to score a ton of points? You know, I mean, if they get to 20, it might be a miracle at the, with the way they're they're calling their, the game script on offense. So it's like, are they going to open it up or not? I, I have a hard time predicting which way the total is going to go because we don't know how quickly the Patriots are going to progress that conservative game plan and like start peeling back the layers and letting it go a little bit. We have no clue, right? So that 42 and a half over under, I have no freaking clue. I would take under there. <laughs> last I, week we were told, over, and we've learned our lesson. I was going to say, I told people to go over last week, and I was wrong. So the Panthers are, uh, I don't think their defense is going to be crazy good this year, and they let up 
think the 17 to the Jets. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds right. So I don't see the Jets scoring. I would. I mean, I could see them scoring like 10. And I think the Patriots could score 17 or 20 points or something simple, 21 maybe, where they're not like they're controlling the ball a lot. They're just going to do similar things to what they did against Miami, particularly in the second half, to against the Jets. Control the ball with the with the running game. They'll get the tight ends a little more involved. We saw Hunter Henry get more involved in the second half yesterday. Uh, gosh, I keep saying yesterday. <laughs> On Sunday, even Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, like I think those, like the whole offense just started to click a little bit better in the second half. Actually, I would say Jacoby Myers had less to do with the offense in the second half, and that's actually a better thing. Anytime that Matt Jones really needs to rely on Jacoby Myers. It's probably a bad sign uh, if he's getting targeted like too often. You want Matt Jones to be a point guard. You want him to be spreading the ball. You want all five of those catchers from Smith to Henry to Kendrick Bourne to Myers and to Aguilar, all those guys, and, and I guess James White as well. So I think that will happen in the first half is they'll go to Jones a little bit more and they'll go to the running game a little bit less, and then on the flip side – they're going to do a really good job of confusing Zach Wilson. Maybe uh, extra turnover goes the Patriots' way in the way that it didn't um, in, against Miami, where they only got one turnover and they, they had a few other opportunities to get some. So I, that's just how I see it. Like I think Patriots win by at least one touchdown. And it, it, the biggest thing is Matt Jones is like if the Patriots had beaten the Dolphins, I would view this as a trap game where the Jets are probably a little better than everybody thinks they are. And they also just have this like hunger under a new head coach who's actually probably pretty good at his job. Mm. Whereas now the Patriots actually have that hunger. They lost. They want to be a playoff team. Bill Belichick spent all this money, and they're going to want to prove that they're not one of the league's you know worst teams like they were last year. So... It just seems like a pretty easy win for the. Or not, it may not look easy, but from sort of like a, a prediction standpoint, I think it looks like an easy win for for me at least. <laughs> to predict. It, yeah, it has to because, as you said earlier, they can't freaking lose this game. They can't. We can't go into to the Dolphins and Jets. Like we can't. We can't. That can't happen. They got to win this game, and I got a feeling they will. I think they're going to let Matt cook a little bit more in this one, open it up a little bit, and I think the Patriots are going to stick it to the Jets pretty good. So. Like I said earlier in the show, we appreciate each and every listener. Thanks for hanging on this long. Subscribe, tell a friend, leave us a review, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what kind of content you're looking for. We'll be back next week to break down Pat's Jets. Looking forward to that. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.